0: (laughs) You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Paranormal Pets is brought to you by Pet Care Rx, America's most affordable pet pharmacy. Petcare RX offers the same meds as top vets, but with a savings up to 50%. And if you find a lower price on a certified EPA and FDA approved medication, Petcare RX will match that price. So go to petcarerx.com. Use promo code Paranormal10. P-A-R-A-N-O-R-M-A-L, the number 10, and receive $10 off orders of $50 or more.
1: It's eleven o'clock at night. It's dark. You're sitting in front of the mirror getting ready for bed. There's nobody else in the house. You see something move in the corner of your eye. You glance to your right, but you don't see anything. Another minute goes by, and you think you see movement again. So you slowly turn to your left, but again, the room is empty. You turn back around, and staring you face to face in the mirror is a cat. You jump back because you don't have a cat and there's no cat in the room. But there he is, staring at you in the mirror. Welcome to Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters. Ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion. With a little cryptozoology thrown in. Now step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, our ghost host.
2: Hello and welcome to Paranormal Pets. I'm your host, Brandy Stark, and today we are going to take a look at Champy, the Champlain Lake Monster, who is the American cousin to the Loch Ness Monster. I do actually have a person that I interviewed a little bit about Champy's story uh, during the December break. And then I do have a personal paranormal pet story that is recounted to me by a fellow Spirits of St. Petersburg member. So we will get back to that right after these messages.
1: Now time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal Pets will reappear before you can say, Bigfoot. Don't run away.
0: At Petco, we really love pets. There isn't anything we won't do to make sure they're getting the best products and the best care. So when you ask us a question like,
2: Feel about
0: cat condos. We can say from experience,
2: feels like home for her.
0: Enter the code paranormal and save ten percent on orders of sixty-five dollars or more, plus free shipping at Petco.com.
1: There's a movement afoot. ShoeBuy.com.
0: Hello. Okay.
1: Join us for the inside scoop at Working Like Dogs on PetLifeRadio.com.
0: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host.
2: And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. Today's episode is about Champ, or Champy, uh, the Americanized version of the Loch Ness Monster. This kind of goes uh, as close as I can find to a Paranormal Pet episode for February, primarily because it's Lake Champlain, and when I was a child, I always thought they were saying Lake Champagne. And of course, when do you have champagne, except for the romantic holiday of Valentine's. So that is my tie-in to February. So that having been said, I want to start off by giving you a little background on Champy. Just in case you've never heard of her, this actually comes from Wikipedia. And normally I do not recommend Wikipedia to my students, but because this is not an essay and this is a little bit more pop-cultural and... uh, Cryptozoological, uh, I think it's, um, it's actually a fair use for today. And I always love this. Uh, Champ is also known as the Lake Champlain monster and actually has a Latinized name of Champany Strophosius Americanus. Uh, It is considered to be a cryptid. A lake monster or sea serpent is the subgrouping. Uh, It's first reported in 1883. It resides in the US and Canada in Lake Champlain and its habitat is water. So the story is, Champ or Champy is the name given to a reputed lake monster living in Lake Champlain, a natural freshwater lake in North America, partially situated across the US-Canada border in the Canadian province of Quebec and partially situated across the Vermont New York border. While there is no scientific evidence for the cryptid's existence, there have been over 300 reported sightings. The legend of the monster is considered a draw for tourism in the Burlington, Vermont area. Like the Loch Ness Monster, while most regard Champ as a legend, others have speculated it is possible such a creature does live deep in the lake, possibly a relative of the plesiosaur, an extinct group of aquatic reptiles. The cultural importance to Vermont... Lake Champlain is a 125-mile long body of fresh water that is shared by New York and Vermont and just a few miles into Quebec, Canada. The Champ legend has become a revenue-generating attraction. For example, the village of Port Henry, New York has erected a giant model of Champ and holds a Champ Day on the first Saturday of every August. As the mascot of Vermont's lone minor league baseball affiliate, the Vermont Lake Monsters, Champ became a more prominent after the team was renamed for the Vermont Expos to the Vermont Lake Monsters. Champ has been the primary attraction of the New York Penn League affiliate since their inception. Several nearby establishments, including a car wash, use Champ as a logo. Now, let me just insert here. uh, Can you actually imagine playing as a Vermont Lake Monster? (laughs) I just think that's great. Uh, maybe the Spirits of St. Petersburg should form its own Little League team and we could be the Spirits, right? Alright, history of the legend. Two Native American tribes living in the area near Lake Champlain, the Iroquois and the Abenaki, had legends about such a creature. The Abenaki called the creature the Tatoshkak, and I hope I said that correctly. An account of a creature in Lake Champlain was ostensibly given in 1609 by French explorer Samuel de Champlain, the founder of Quebec and the lake's namesake, who is supposed to have spotted the creature as he was fighting the Iroquois on the bank of the lake. However, in actuality, no such sighting was recorded and it has since been traced back to a 1970 article. A report in the Plattsburgh Republic dated July 24, 1819 titled Cape Ann Serpent on Lake Champlain gives the account of a Captain Crumb sighting, an enormous serpentine monster. The first reported sighting actually came in 1883 when Sheriff Nathan H. Mooney claimed that he had seen a gigantic water serpent about 50 yards away from where he was on the shore. He claimed that he was so close that he could see round white spots inside its mouth and that the creature appeared to be about 25 to 30 feet in length. Mooney's sightings led to many eyewitnesses coming forward with their own accords of Champ sightings. Mooney's story predated the public Loch Ness controversy by 50 years. Champ became so popular that P.T. Barnum in the early 19th century put a reward of $50,000 up for the carcass of Champ. Barnum wanted the carcass of Champ so that he could include it in his epic World's Fair show. Now, I do you remember that Barnum also bought uh, the Piltown Man? Actually, there's a, an additional story about a giant found in the Midwest, which was actually supposed to substantiate the Genesis story of the Elohim that were washed away in the flood, according to biblical accounts. And it was actually quite falsified. I mean, but he still bought the statue to show in his uh, World's Fair. He bought all sorts of very odd items. I do believe that he was also the one that had the mermaid, which was actually a monkey and a fishtail grafted together. So I find that interesting that P.T. Barnum was very interested early on. Some believe that Champ may be a plesiosaur similar to Nessie, claiming that the two lakes have much in common. Like Loch Ness, Lake Champlain is over 400 feet deep, and both lakes were formed by retreating glaciers. Believers also claim both lakes support fish populations large enough to feed a supposed sea or lake monster. This legend would require either a single animal or a sizable breeding population. In 1977, amateur photographer Sandra Mancy released a photograph that appeared to show a pleosaur-like body and neck sticking out of the lake. Mancy later showed the photo, which is similar to the famous sturgeon's photo of the Loch Ness Monster to Joseph W. Zarzynski. Zorzinski, founder of the Lake Champlain Phenomena Investigation and a Wilton, New York social studies teacher, took the photo to George Zug of the Smithsonian Institution's Department of Vertebrate Zoology. Zug states that the creature in the photo does not resemble any creature or animal living in Lake Champlain. The entire bay of the lake where the photograph reportedly was taken is no deeper than 14 feet. According to Joe Nickel, there are Few explanations for how a giant creature could swim, let alone hide, in such shallow water. Furthermore, it has been suggested that the object in the photograph could possibly be a rising tree trunk or log. Rotting trees often gather gas in the process of decay and sometimes rise to the water's surface at considerable speed. Recent Reports Champ reportedly can be seen in a video taken by fisherman Dick Affalter and his stepson Pete Bodet in the summer of 2005. Close examination of the image may be interpreted either as the head and neck of a pleosaur-like animal and even the open mouth in one frame and closed mouth in another, or of a fish or an eel. Although two retired FBI forensic analysts who reviewed the tape said it appears authentic and unmanipulated, one of them added that there is no place that I can actually see the animal or any other object on the surface. One piece of evidence though, not as sighting per se, is the recording of echolocation from within the lake of the Fauna Communications Research Institute in 2003, working as part of a Discovery Channel program. The group has concluded that the sounds they have recorded are similar to that of a beluga whale or perhaps an orca, but not of a known animal, and no dolphin or whale species have previously been known to live in the lake. Study of the Mansi photo in this context has led to speculation that rather than a neck and head, the photo shows a flipper of some large animal in the act of rolling. In 2008, a study by the United States Fish and Wildlife Service in cooperation with the New York State Department of Environmental Conservation and the Vermont Department of Fish and Wildlife, collectively the Lake Champlain Fish and Wildlife Management Cooperative, was released in July 2008, which reported unexplained fluctuation levels of certain breeds of fish. The study noted the population parameters operated in cycles of growth and recession but they noted that these variables changed suddenly. The report concluded this must be caused by an unknown X-factor. Many people attributed this X-factor as being the locally known Lake Monster Champ. However, the Lake Champlain Fish and Wildlife Management Cooperative made no such conclusions. Now since the article mentioned the Lake Champlain uh, echolocation, I thought you all might like to hear what it sounds like. This comes from the Fauna Communication site itself at uh, www.animalvoice.com. So this is what they picked up in Lake Champlain. There's also one other interesting aspect with the Champi story, and that is that they have found fossils of the ancient beluga whales all around Lake Champlain, and according again to the article, the noise is picked up, the echolocation is reminiscent of a whale, but Not the same as a whale. So there's another theory. Perhaps not a pleosaur. Perhaps some sort of uh, whale-like creature. And I think that theory has also been promoted for the Loch Ness as well. Now at this point, I would like to go ahead and pause and we'll put in a few commercial messages and when we get back, we'll listen to a little bit more on Lake Champlain and I will give you my eyewitness story and we will have our paranormal pets conclusion with an eyewitness account of their own paranormal pet. So we will be right back after these messages.
1: Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors! Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away.
0: Go to PetMeds.com forward slash paranormal to get 10% off any order. And free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com.
1: FTD's network of over 40,000 florists around the world have been creating beautiful handcrafted arrangements for 100 years. Each arrangement is delivered the same day and backed by FTD's 7-Day Satisfaction Guarantee. For a century, people have trusted their most important occasions to the flower experts at FTD.
0: Since Pet Life Radio is all about puppy dogs and flowers, our listeners, that's you, can get a 20% discount on your order. Just go to florop.com and use the code PARAPETS at checkout. F-L-E-U-R-O-P.com com, code word P-A-R-A-P-E-T-S
1: like your business to reach out and invite in our audience. We have a brand new trademark concept called InfoSeeds. InfoSeeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service is the best, most cost-effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website
0: PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of seed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available.
0: Aquariums and pond keeping are among the most popular of all hobbies in the United States and throughout the world. In fact, fish are probably the most numerous pet in people's homes and in their businesses. In Aquarium Mania, we'll learn more about the secret and not-so-secret life of fish and other inhabitants, the basics of good aquarium keeping, the complexities of the aquarium industry, and the science and art that surround this fascinating hobby. I'm your host, Roy Yanong, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. Aquarium Mania. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. LiveRadio.com.
1: did you hear that our commercials have mysteriously disappeared paranormal pets is back with our haunted host our ghost host
2: and welcome back to paranormal pets So, as we continue our Champy story discussion, kind of an interesting background, whether or not it's cryptozoological or a creature that we don't know, uh, able to actually hide from us in today's very technologically advanced era, it's kind of an interesting mystery. Now, I will give you a little background on my own encounter here, at least uh, encounter with somebody who had an encounter. So... Over the holidays, I do very heavily support animal rescues, but I do believe that we should also help our fellow human beings. So usually over the holidays, I do try to volunteer at the Salvation Army Homeless Shelter. And um, usually I do for the the meals, essentially. And I was there for Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, kind of a late lunch, and Christmas brunch. And uh, this occurred on Christmas Eve, and I was there for the late lunch. Usually what I do is that there's a little bit of a wait. People cannot come in until the dining room is ready, and so they gather outside the main doors, and uh, I ask everybody to sign in, and I try to talk to folks while we're waiting. And I actually had the opportunity to meet this gentleman. I'm sorry to say uh, I did not get his name, and um, I knew the name at the time, but... We were talking a little bit, and he's a—he's an older gentleman, and he has these beautiful, clear blue eyes and eloquent way of speaking. He's very verbally, just easy to listen to. He speaks very well, and uh, he had just gotten out uh, of the hospital. Uh, he was having some, some issues with that, and he was there for the Christmas Eve dinner. So... I'm not quite sure how the subject came up, but he uh, was telling me that he had been a radio announcer, and this is not the same as the person that we've been reading about in the news recently, but he was a radio announcer, and he was also a newspaper reporter in the 70s and 80s in the Northeast United States. I think what we were talking about was the weather and uh, how for Christmas Eve here, I think it was in the 70s, it was beautiful, beautiful weather, and uh, you know how much it was great to be in Florida while the Northeast was getting you know just blizzards at this point so he was talking about how he's familiar with the Northeast because he had lived up there and um, it was kind of interesting because he was saying that on slow news days in the 70s in particular he would actually go out into the communities you would drive around and and they literally had to look for news now you know do you remember I'm a huge fan of pulp fiction so I read the shadow and things like that and the newspaper was your primary means with the radio at that point and, of course, in the 70s TV, but newspapers were still a very predominant media source, so it was very important, and some places actually put out double editions day and night, so you had to kind of keep up with that. So he was driving, and he went into uh, a little town by Lake Champlain, and I said, Being a good paranormalist, oh, Lake Champlain, isn't that where they have the monster Champy? And he said, oh, yes. And then he said, "Uh, I saw it. And so this is his story. When he was younger, he was out fishing in a boat with his father. They had hit a dry patch for fish, and it was a quiet day. Suddenly they saw a patch of pussy willows near the boat sort of part, like something big had passed through them. They continued fishing for a while, as the father dismissed it as some animal moving by. And then they saw this big black shape moving toward the boat. This scared them both so badly that the father cranked the motor on the boat, apparently not even letting it warm up, to race out of the area. Now, his father was not necessarily a, a strong believer in Champy, and um, he was quite amazed you know, at the behavior, but they didn't know what this creature was, and it was swimming towards them in a fairly serpentine fashion. So, as we continue to talk, he also told me that Champy, he thought, and there were theories out, that it was most likely a giant sturgeon. Apparently, there is a theory out that sturgeon, which can grow to immense sizes, are generally saltwater fish. They come into brackish water to spawn. The theory is that Lake Champlain, along with other lakes in the area, was once connected to the sea. Some sort of traumatic event occurred that cut the lakes off from the sea. Sturgeon were trapped there and eventually evolved to live in freshwater conditions. So this would be, instead of a unknown beluga whale, a mutated sturgeon. Uh, The sturgeon are apparently known to be in the lake and are protected by law against fishing. Personally, I did go and I looked at pictures of sturgeon. I've seen them before, but I wanted to look again. And as this man said, they grow to be huge. Uh, We actually have, I saw one picture of a half dozen people holding one fish. I do remember several years ago that this giant fish washed up on the shores of St. Petersburg Beach and this made the newspaper for about two weeks because sturgeon are not native to this area. But this fish was gigantic. I myself at that time was a reporter for the arts and there was a person who actually specialized in a an eastern form of printmaking in which you put paint on dead fish and you use them to imprint onto rice paper. And this artist had gone out and had actually created a print of the sturgeon, and uh, everybody was quite amazed, because I think this thing was maybe four and a half, maybe five feet, I can't remember for sure, but it was a big frippin' fish. So, you know, I did look at the sturgeon again, and they're big. They are absolutely huge. Also, sturgeon apparently have a behavior pattern that they sometimes will swim tail to nose in a line. Imagine seeing a bunch of these fish swimming underwater in a semi-serpentine pattern, Personally, I think that I might be tempted to think sea monster myself. So that was his story, and I just thought it was really, it was really neat. It was really fun to actually get to talk to somebody uh, who had this sort of encounter, and it was really neat to learn a little bit about the area outside of Florida when it comes to cryptozoology. Now, for the next part of our show, what I would like to do is um, read to you today's St. Petersburg Times. It's relatively short. So this comes from the January 22nd, 2011 St. Petersburg Times, section A, page 12. And uh, it looks like it's been reprinted from the New York Times. The article is called, Sit, Stay, Parse, Good Girl, 1022 Times. Chaser, a Border Collie, who lives in Spartanburg, South Carolina, has the largest vocabulary of any known dog, 1,022 proper nouns. She belongs to a psychologist who trained her four to five hours a day by showing her an object, saying its name up to 40 times, then hiding it and asking her to find it while repeating the name all the time. Her learning curve may give us some insight into how children acquire language. So inexhaustible was her vocabulary that owner John Philly had to buy used children's toys by the sackful to serve as new vocabulary items. He had trouble remembering them, so he wrote their names on each toy with a marker. In three years, Chaser's vocabulary included 800 cloth animals, 116 balls, 26 frisbees, and a medley of plastic items. Then the psychologist moved on to grammar. What was going through Chaser's mind when asked to fetch something? Did she think of his toys as items labeled fetch ball, fetch frisbee, fetch doll, or did she understand the word fetch separately from its object as people do? The psychologist addressed the question by teaching Chaser three actions, pawing, nosing, and taking an object. She was then presented with three of her toys and correctly pawed, nosed, or fetched each one depending on the command given to her. Philly described his findings in the current issue of the journal Behavioral Processes, which can be found online. Now I find this to be rather interesting because once again when it comes to the paranormal, and as I have said on prior episodes, we are trying to determine that animals have consciousness, are self-aware, and might have the capacity of mind to exist beyond death. So I like that article because it does show that animals can do cognitive functioning, which we have known, but the more proof we get, the better, not only identifying objects, but identifying actions, which I think is pretty interesting. So this is going to tie into the very last part of this episode, which is actually from Kristen, a Spirits of St. Petersburg member who i have been working for a while to try and remember to get her paranormal testimony to an animal and it's short and sweet but i just thought i'd include it so here's the clip this is Kristen with the spirits of saint petersburg
1: and this is my animal ghost story when i was approximately
2: eighteen my dog died and we'd had him basically my entire life. And um, I was home alone from college, in the house alone, and heard his collar jiggle. He had a a choker collar, and the tags would clank on it when he would go running by, and I heard it, and I heard it again, and that was it. And then years later, talking to my mom, she said um, several times she would think she'd heard his collar running by. And that's it, we don't know what it was. And so there we go. Well, I think that we are ready to conclude this particular episode of Paranormal Pets. I hope you enjoyed the Champlain. Keep us in mind if you have any episodes or topics that you're interested in. I'd love to hear them. Otherwise, remember to support your animal rescue. And have a wonderful, haunting day.
1: Pet Life Radio presents... Paranormal pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters. Ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion. With a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com